Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Andy shares his path from NYU Stern to the stressful summer analyst internship recruiting process. We learn how he ended up at UBS, what happened when his group, Power and Utilities, got dissolved, his strategic decision to join the energy group, and how he leveraged his time in banking to land a very interesting corporate development and strategy role that allows him to dabble in the public and private markets, as well as growth equity and venture. Enjoy. Andy, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. It'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, so my name is Andy. I graduated from NYU Stern in 2017. I majored in finance and mathematics and coming out of college, went to UBS, uh, investment banking. I was in the power utilities group for about a year and a half and then for about half a year in the New York energy team. And then after that, transitioned to a corporate development and strategy role at Standard Industries. And I've been here so far for about a year and a half. Awesome. And how should we think about Standard Industries, like family office, uh, do, doing PE, doing what type of investments? Yeah, it, the explanation sort of changes uh, depending on who I talk to every time. But yeah. um, I guess for the audience here, I feel like Standard Industries would be more of a family office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my role it's called corporate development and strategy, but it's really a catch-all. We work on sort of investing across the wide swath of things, public markets, private markets, and typical P style, but also a lot of the work is just traditional um, strategy and corporate development. So thinking about the portfolio companies and, you know, what we can add on to um, create synergies. Awesome. Okay. So let's start all the way back at NYU or even before, like, when you went to NYU, were you thinking, I mean, you went to, to Stern, so you basically knew I'm going finance. And like, so were you like uh, in high school thinking IB or like, when did you know uh, you wanted to go that path? So surprisingly, I went into Stern with a pretty open mind. Um, I, I'd heard of IB a couple of times through high school, but I didn't really pay it much attention. Um, coming to Stern, it definitely is sort of thrust upon you that, you know, IB and finance is, you know, the career path is the job to go for. Um, but I sort of went in with a more open mind. I, I sort of looked at marketing for a little bit, went to some actuarial science clubs and then, um, took a good look at accounting as well. Um, but I guess just the resources that Stern offers and the community was sort of very centered around finance. And so I sort of slowly sort of gravitated towards that um, as the years went on. And do you feel like 
you needed to know early? I mean, because you, you only graduated like four years ago. Did you, at that point, was like the accelerated recruiting happening? Was it, comp- I, I know Stern is huge feeder, right? So is it like right. super cutthroat competitive? What, tell me a little bit about like, because everyone's always like, oh, you know, target schools have it easy. Da, da, da. You're, I mean, you're in New York, you have a huge advantage. But tell me about just what it's like actually in terms of the competition. Obviously, the competition is much better too. Right. Um, I'll phrase it this way. I think if you go to NYU Stern mm-hmm. and you have just some sort of strong interest in investment banking or finance in general, you will find a job and you will find a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that in mind, that was this is sort of just hindsight 2020 speaking mm-hmm. here, but I think back then it felt super cutthroat competitive. I think um when junior year rolled around, like we still had the luxury class of 2017, we still had the luxury of um, more or less regular recruiting. It was kind of junior year, um, junior year, or, or, I think early, right? Early yeah. Junior fall. I think you kind of start thinking about it and then through the winter and then junior spring for that junior summer, that's when the oh, that's pretty um, late. interviews. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it wasn't actually too accelerated when we recruited. Um, there were definitely some events, sophomore summer, I remember here and there, but mm-hmm. nothing like it is today, which is literally sophomore, sophomore fall. You're looking at the, not the following summer, but the next summer. And, but um, yeah, when we did it, it was, it felt, it felt not as accelerated, but it still felt competitive. But now looking back, I think everybody who wanted to be in the industry sort of ended up finding their way there just because by virtue of being in New York city and going to NYU Stern. Yeah. It's a huge advantage. Even if you're not at a target school in New York. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about, so what about your, just your background a little more? So are you from, are you from Toronto? Cause I see, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little Canada. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, you know, your family, were they ever into finance or marketing or kind of why Stern and was it, you don't have to give me a whole spiel. You don't have to give me your essay. Like you can tell us the truth. It just, a good place to help you land a job at a school is fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was, what was the thought process, you know? So, uh, interestingly enough, my parents are very academic folk. Um, my dad, they, they immigrated here from China, um, maybe 20, 30 years ago, and they came here for school. My dad got his PhD in mathematics at University of Alberta, mm-hmm. and my mom did her master's in computer science. And so they were very academic folk. They raised me to sort of be very academic. Hopefully their dream, I guess, become a professor or, you know, get a, get a high, higher than a bachelor degree and just, um, be very academic in that sense. My dad actually, surprisingly enough, um, transitioned out of, um, academia into finance. Mm. So he did a lot of risk and risk management for a lot of the banks and financial firms in Toronto. Um, doing modeling, but, um, not our kind of modeling, but actual like, like risk, <laughs> risk, yeah, risk modeling, statistical modeling and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, deep in, deep in code, deep in, um, all these different kind of math software. Um, and that was kind of like my first little peek into the financial world. I remember just meeting up with him, um, in high school for lunch or whatever, and I had to walk through these tunnels in Toronto um, that run underneath all the banks and you just kind of see everybody buttoned up and suited up walking around. And I thought that was kind of cool. And I was like, these people look so important. I um, <laughs> wonder what they're up to. Um, 
and that sort of, I guess, subconsciously kind of poked me towards business school. And that's kind of how I ended up at Stern, I guess. Sounds fair. Okay. So yeah. you're, you're kind of a coming Let's go fast forward again to junior year. You're coming in, you're thinking at this point, you're kind of getting swept up in the whole IB recruiting. Like you have a couple of friends doing it and then you're right. like, oh, I'll drop my resume. So what did you, what did you do end up doing kind of your freshman and sophomore summers? So freshman year, um, one of my dad's good friends, uh, he worked at Manulife and he was, mm-hmm. um, and he, he ran the risk department there. And so, um, through him and I'd meet him, I had met with him, spoken to him a, a few times and he had a, he had an opening there and, um, I applied, went through the process and ended up, ended up going, going through that process and ending up in Manulife. And that was kind of like a, um, quantitative analyst kind of position um, where I was doing a lot of uh, coding to kind of automate a lot of processes that they were working on. As an intern, um, it's pretty good. Or were you doing yeah, it during the Yeah, from a risk standpoint. Yeah. And it, it was a great experience because I was deep in code and kind of trying to figure out how code and um, finance and financial processes kind of uh, what, connected. What, what were you coding in? Uh, VBA mostly. VBA. So it that's was a cool. lot of just like Excel driven kind yeah. of automation. That's awesome. Um, and that's great in, experience yeah. for an intern. <laughs> it's <a> freshman <laughs> internship. Yeah. So I was deep in VBA for about three months. And then, um, that gave me kind of my, like my first foray into what, um, quantitative finance could look like, obviously, you know, they, they don't do like Excel automation, but it was Maybe kind of like a good Python. taste of that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and so the following summer, um, I actually, the following summer, sophomore summer, I was actually studying abroad um, the semester before, so sophomore spring. And so it was kind of stressful looking around um, for a job from abroad. Where were you? Um, I was in Prague, Czech Republic. Oh, awesome. And so um, I remember, I remember the spring too, we went with a bunch of Stern kids too. And around mm-hmm. that time, like getting close to the summer, like April, May, everybody was like, oh, I need an internship. And everybody was in the, in, in our like dorm lounge in the middle of Prague, just like trying to look for jobs and interviewing. But I ended up finding a asset management role, um, mm-hmm. art and asset management. They actually mm-hmm. got bought by Aberdeen. Okay. Um, but I think formally known as Arden and they were a fund of funds. so they invested their money in other hedge funds and other fund managers. And so it was interesting just to get exposure then to the, to the broad hedge fund and um, institutional investor landscape, because that's, you know, they were judging, they were judging like fund performance and looking at different fund strategies. And it was kind of cool just to get a good landscape of. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a good internship to have if you're curious about hedge funds, because you do get that broader view. You're not doing like the trades, the fundamental analysis, obviously, but like, yeah, <laughs> which is, which is also interesting, but you're, you're kind of able to get a really macro view. Right. Um, yeah. And it was pretty cool. Cause um, some of the data you get to work with are, you know, the, the performance, like quarterly performance of all the funds that, you know, they yeah. look at and it's kind of cool to see, Oh, like these funds are doing so well. Oh, this one's doing really well. <laughs> yeah. You kind of, kind of see that all. That's so cool. That's so cool. What was the best fund? You know, you know, not no names, but what was the best returns you saw? If you remember, <laughs> um, this is back in, this, this would be back in what, 2016, 17? Yeah. 16. Yeah. I don't remember what the numbers were, but all like, of the, like all the returns funds, of like 30% or higher. All the quant funds are killing it. Yeah. The, the quant funds were just 
killing the game. That's all I remember <laughs> looking at those guys. is just insane. So did that, that didn't kind of attract you? You didn't think, Hey, I want to be a quant and go to work at quant. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I thought about that and then, you know, I thought about, and it was good that I had my freshman summer internship. Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> you thought about you know, sitting in code all day and you're like, eh. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I did major in fine. I did major in mathematics and I always loved, you know, computer science and you know, mathematics, physics, all that stuff. But, um, I felt like part of me really enjoyed looking at things from more of an Eagles, um, Eagles eye perspective. Um, mm. and so looking at things from a bigger picture and not being stuck in details the whole time. Yep. Um, that's kind of what I felt like freshman summer where, you know, there's a point where I was so deep in code and I kind of, everything becomes abstract you kind of forget about what you're actually doing for this company. And you're just like, I'm just trying to solve this puzzle for the mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So obviously you had a super high GPA cause you graduated summa cum laude, but so your, your GPA was an issue. So you probably got a ton of interviews. What, what was the, what was the conversion rate from, um, resume drops to interviews, first round interviews at, at the banks for you? Was it like 10 out of 10? Was it? Um, so, Nine so out I'll, of be frank. <laughs> I'll be frank here. I, I always feel like the recruiting process is very different um, school to school. And yeah. It's really hard to tell um, a student from another school how to approach the recruiting strategy, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're a bigger school where there's a dedicated recruiting team from the bank. Um, if, you're, if you're out in a non-target where there isn't a dedicated recruiting team for you, I think that story is a lot more generalized and you can follow a set strategy. But for NYU specifically, there were NYU specific recruiting teams for every bank. Yeah. And so the strategy was a little different. And I, I'd initially thought that, you know, GPA, high GPA is really important. Um, some finance internships um, be super important. Um, oddly enough, my success with the initial stages of inter- interviewing was, was not that great. And it was a huge eye opener because I realized that, you know, Investment banking isn't a terribly technical. Um, yeah, I was going to say position. they may they yeah. may have been a little bit um, hesitant about your resume, seeing all the technical stuff, thinking right. this guy's going to be like a robot or a yeah. computer nerd or whatever, a mathematics <laughs> guy. Like <laughs> yeah. he's going to get so bored writing pitch decks. We don't want this guy, right? That could yeah. be the thought. Like, yeah, exactly. Thing. And that and that I feel like that was sort of the thought, and partly. Um, partly my mental frame was not correct either because I came in thinking that, okay, technical skills, finance experience, I should be set. Um, but I didn't really think about the interpersonal and the social component of it, which I did not realize was that huge um, at investment banks. And so the networking component and not just scheduling the chats and going to them and you know, spending 20, 30 minutes talking to some guy or girl and then checking it off your checklist. It's, it's about going to these chats with the intention of creating a relationship and developing a relationship with that person and trying to get, you know, get to know them, um, get to know their experiences and essentially get them to like you as a person, but obviously not go in with that, with that expectation, but just to go in thinking that, you know, I just want to meet a new person and to learn about you know, what this bank is like. Yeah. Um, see, and now point. looking back. Yeah. What were yeah. you doing? You were just going in, checking it off the list. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, because, you know, I, this, this really was the first kind of real 
job or internship that you would get. You know, it's kind of the internship that's converted to a full-time offer. So they think about you as a full-time employee. So this is kind of like a your first real job application. Mm -hmm. And it was a great learning experience because again, I didn't know how big the interpersonal and just not being weird (laughs) and just being sociable and being likable. Did you feel like you were a little weird still it's coming in your junior year, a little awkward? Yeah, for sure. You don't come across um, it now. I mean, so whatever yeah. you've done, it's worked. <laughs> I mean, years of years of just interacting with people in offices, I guess, three, four years of being in an office. Why do you think that? I mean, so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I think a lot of people underestimate that behavior portion, especially the, the questions like, uh, you know, tell me about a weakness. Tell me about a time you struggle with the team. Tell me about a time when you led a team. Those, right. those kind of open-ended Questions where oftentimes you see the people who are more engineers slash mathematical types approach the answers as very formulaic. And you can almost see them just reciting their their story, but it's it's yeah. there's no there's no feeling, right? They're not building a connection with the person across from them. So it's less of a conversation, right. more of like, this question I answered this way, this question I answer that way. Um, exactly. and it's almost like a formula. And you can feel it almost in the in the conversation rather than it flowing more naturally. I don't know. That's is that yeah. is that accurate? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, for sure. I think mm-hmm. there's I think the the wealth of resources that are out there, and obviously, you know, the Wall Street Oasis has so many great guides and thank you, great pointers that you know help candidates through this. Um, but I also feel like it's a double-edged sword if you don't interpret it correctly, and that you know, they're they're guides. They're not instructions, you know, they're, they're one, they're the first step for you to develop your own thoughts and your own kind of answers, unique answers to each question, interview question that might come to you. They're not instructions saying, you know, this is the framework to answer this question. You know, I hear the star framework all the time mm-hmm. and, you know, people misinterpret that now to be like, okay, I have to walk through my answer S T A R and just like <laughs> give that answer like that. And it just, it, it's really easy to tell. Um, Obviously, from the candidate's perspective, you think you're doing it correctly, but from the interviewer's perspective, it's really easy to tell that you just followed some framework and cookie right. cutter answer. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting to how to balance that because a lot of guys, well, then, well, then, what do I do? And I think yeah. it's it's more about really as much reading about body language, facial expressions. I'm developing those skills where you have a lot of high and have enough EQ to know whether what you're saying is resonating. Um, exactly. To say say what you're saying with confidence and like a, a, a level of of genuine delivery that is hard to hard to do in an interview mm-hmm. setting, but if you can do it, you really really have a much better shot at, at making that connection and impressing someone. So that's it's what I always say. It's it's hard to teach. Um, it really comes with reps, but it's, it, it, you can teach it. I truly believe that because I I know from my own experience, you get better. Yeah, your delivery gets better. It's like an actor, right? It's like Mm -hmm. when you first try to deliver your lines, it's not going to come across very naturally. And then once you get used to it, um, I always say it's it's better not to memorize word for word what you're going to say, but have kind of ideas you want to. But anyways, is that was that your experience? You you were you striking out? Like when you said you you kind of were surprised at how you didn't do well. Like what do you mean by that? Like the number of interviews you got, or just your your first rounds? Yeah. Um, so I think when recruiting started, um, it started with sort of a lot of on-campus events. I think a lot of the, a lot of the banks sent their recruiting teams to Stern, 
Um, and there are a lot of these lunch events where, you know, five or six of these guys and girls will go up on stage, give their experiences. And then after the presentation's over, a swarm of like a hundred kids just descends upon them. And then you have all these like little circles and these guys get um, overwhelmed and you try to get their business card. It was just a complete, um, like a complete trip. disaster to try to navigate. <laughs> um, and so I realized slowly that you know, you can't just blankly put in your resume anymore. I think, especially coming out of NYU Stern, where I think the standard for students is, is generally pretty high. Um, mm -hmm. when you're viewing, you know, Stern kids from, from a, uh, an interviewer's perspective. Um, but also there are a lot of these relationships that are developed between grades. Um, you know, the business fraternities, just good friends that, you know, they graduate, they're two years, a year above you, they graduate. And so, or they, they're a year above you, they've done their internship already. And now they're a senior and they know people that they, that they can connect you with. And so it was a very kind of relationship web kind of driven process. Yeah, totally. And I slowly started to realize that when, you know, a couple of friends and people I knew started getting interviews, but, you know, the interviews haven't started yet. So I was just kind of like, what's going on? Um, and so at that point it started you know, to click like, Oh, that, like, I don't know the right people. <laughs> yeah. Crap. I need to, I need to start networking. I need to start doing all these yeah. chats. I need to start like reaching out to people I know. And I was probably a little late to that game. And then, um, it's the junior, added stress it's year at this point. Right. Exactly. And the yeah. added stress, um, with the added, um, so the stress of being late to the late to the game and also the, the added social, frictions that I had personally where I where I where I was kind of like a little more awkward as a kid um at that time yeah um made it made it a difficult kind of interviewing experience definitely yeah and so you noticed there were some like almost earlier interviews around before the the official process that you're saying what's going on you didn't you were you part of a business frat um I was a part of an honor society it was honor. kind of it was kind of similar more or less yeah did they have a lot of alum in banks? A lot of alums? Yeah. Yeah. So that um, helped a little bit probably, right? That that helped me get into UBS. That was, that was it. Okay. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So word <laughs> to the wise, get into these clubs yeah. because then you yeah. meet the people who are a year or two years ahead of you. Um, yeah. Freshman, sophomore year. And that's those connections are the ones that can help pull you up, right? Yeah. Um, or at least get you the first round interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so tell me on the first round interview, did you did you only have a handful then of first round interviews um, um, at the at banks or tell me how those went? Did you, do you remember like rough numbers? Like from first round to second round to super day or however it worked. Um, so it was very staggered. I remember. So it wasn't like all these banks started interviewing at the same time. It was so, UBS later early. UBS was kind of in the middle of the pack. Okay. Um, and I was already sort of late to the process, but I had a few close friends who were at UBS and they sort of helped me get that first round. And okay. so I just busted through the UBS round really quickly and then just took it. Cause I was like, I am done with this process. This is just too stressful. Um, but yeah. Okay. okay. So you went through the process and had you done any other first round interviews at other banks before then? Um, 
Do you remember if you not really? I I had I had one kind of like pseudo. It wasn't really like a first round. It was yeah. It was kind of strange because it felt like an interview, but it was more. It was called. It was. It was more. It was supposed to be a coffee chat, but it kind of felt like an interview because they brought me into the office. Yeah. Um. I sat in the in an office next to next to all the bankers, and then one by one, like it was an three interview. or four bankers came yeah. in and just talked to me for twenty minutes, you and they all sounded like. They all felt like interviews. What, what <laughs> so, was that? Uh, what was that bank? Do you remember? Uh, bank of America. It's Bank of America. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of had a pseudo interview, not knowing it was an interview at B of A. You didn't make it past that because you probably didn't even realize it was an yeah, interview. Yeah, I was caught so off guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then basically, um, well, that's that's kind of a good tip. If you if you think you're going for a coffee coffee chat in an office, be ready for an interview. Yeah. Basically. Um, so then, so you had some friends help you get the first round uh, converted to a, a summer, right? And right. then tell me, kind of, you accepted right off the bat, so you stopped interviewing, you stopped the whole process because it was a nightmare. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were there were a few banks, I think, Bamel and Credit Suisse that I had interested interest mm-hmm. in, and so I like pinged um, a guy I knew there and a guy I knew at Bamel, and was like, "Hey, look, I got an offer from UBS. Like, are you guys still running a process?" Um, you space open, you know, I, obviously you tell CS, like CS is my first choice. You tell Bamble, you know, Bamble's my first choice, see what happens, but they had already closed their process. So okay. I was, I was just like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So you get there in the summer and what, what is it like? Is it a blast because they're whining and dining you? Or are you working hundred hour weeks? What's the, what was it like? So I know it's so going to be think, fun with a large bank because you have a large group, right? Yeah. Analysts. Tell me what yeah. that was like. So, so my banking experience was very atypical. Um, for one, my group was very small. It was maybe 15 to 20 people. Mm-hmm. Power Utilities was a pretty small group within, within UBS. And, and for one, my summer experience was a lot more difficult, um, both from a, from a workload and hours-wise perspective. Um, and just and just uh, just generally just navigating a, a corporate environment. Then when it was joining full time, I think for, well, for how many people, how many hours were you doing in the summer? You think eighty, ninety? Um, was it, wasn't, was it over a hundred hours? No, a week? it wasn't. wasn't wasn't eighty or a hundred. I think it was seventy. 80. It was like nine to nine to ten or eleven every night, the occasional midnight. So and it wasn't like week, no weekends or. Um. I mean, every other weekend during the summer. Okay. So, yeah, but so I guess maybe 90. 70, 70, yeah. 80. Not too bad. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad, but, but you felt it was tough because of the corporate stuff and the politics and all that. Yeah. The politics and, you know, everybody's trying to, trying to get this full-time offer and, you know, every single mistake that's caught just like sends your head into a complete swirl. Um, and and so that that part. Do you remember was super your stirred. mistake, your first mistake? Oh yeah, oh, I remember yeah. we were running this. Uh, we were running the sale process that mm-hmm. you know didn't end up being being such a successful process, and um, <clears throat> we had only got we had only got. I remember there's we only got one bid, and so our standard set of materials was like summary of bids, and I used this template that said summary of bids, but there's only one bid in there. 
and I remember one of the associates um, got pretty frustrated that I left off the plural on the cover. And, you know, now looking back, I'm like, that was, you know, like I shouldn't, it was nothing to freak out over. Yeah. But I remember back when I was an intern, I was like, oh crap. Like, like I just lost my full time offer. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is bad. Summary of bids. Here's one bid. <laughs> yeah. So it should have been summary of bid. Was this but... supposed to go to the client? Um, did, yeah. did it go? Did it go to the client with saying summary of bids and it was only one bid? No, I, no, no. They caught it. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. They caught it before it went out to the client. But yeah, yeah. I would have been on them. Okay. Yeah. I remember that vividly. I was just, I was so stressed that day. <laughs> so, um, so, okay, there was that. Any other kind of like model? They didn't let you touch the model or you doing mostly pitch work or, or sorry, PowerPoint work? Um, I did remember poking through a model, but I, I don't think there was any kind of modeling work that were, my work was actually kind of relied upon. Yeah. Yeah. So then tell me a little bit about how the summer progressed when you found out you actually had the offer or the full-time offer. Was it stressful leading right up to it? Was it like, but there a midsummer review being like, hey, you're not cutting it or you're, do- you're fine? Yeah, I think I think midsummer review, it was it was fine. I remember I got pretty positive feedback, and then going into going into final reviews, it got super stressful because um, our team actually the the intern talent in our team was really really good. Um, oh no! <laughs> How many other yeah, interns? Two others which, or three others? Um, there were there were six interns. Oh, there's a lot. Three for three were from NYU Stern. And they're both um, friends of mine, and they both knew they were super smart and super capable people. Mm-hmm. And I remember they said they they were limited to maybe three, three or so offers. And so I was like, okay, they're like, not going to take is, all three from Stern. You're thinking, right? And right? Know, yeah, they're not going to take yeah. all three from Stern. And yeah. there is also this um, other guy who is just an amazing, amazing guy. Like he was very likable, very sociable. And, um, everybody in the group really enjoyed having him around. So I was just looking at that like, Oh crap. Like maybe, maybe I, I have incrementally better work than him, but like, I'm like, I'm obviously not as likable as this guy. Like it's, (laughs) I'm getting really worried here. Um, and so, so it got to the point where like the summer internship goes from like, um, sort of fun during the summer mm-hmm. and a good experience to kind of getting close to the end of the summer, you know, people peel off to like meet every individual member of the team. Just they like get to know people. And then you see people walking in out of the office um, to grab coffees and you see people and in, uh, interns in people's offices. And you're just like, Oh my God, like this is starting to get very stressful, very political. And like, did I you, need to, I need did to you do, do that? Did you start doing that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, our friend who had, um, gone the three of us into the group, he recommended like, you know, you should meet everybody in the group and, you know, grab coffee with every single person at least once just so they know who you are if you don't work with them. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we were just doing that all day long. And so going into those kind of what are almost like, uh, informal interviews where you're not supposed to be interviewing, but you have to just hang, hang around and have a coffee with somebody. Yeah. How are you approaching those? Cause they're, they're so, like, they can be, that can be stressful in and of itself. Cause you're thinking this person doesn't end up not liking me in this 15 minute conversation or, or half hour right. conversation, whatever, then that could hurt my chances. 
my slim chances? Because it sounded like you yeah. were in a pretty precarious spot with a yeah. lot of sharp interns around you. So tell me about that. How did you go yeah. about thinking um, about it? Yeah, I thought a bit. Were I you better than it. like, were you, were you still very regimented of like, I'm going to ask this, 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 this before going in or did you let it flow? I, I, I think I loosened up over the summer. I started mm-hmm. to, I think after that recruiting experience, I started to learn that, you know, not everything's formulaic. You kind of just have to go with the flow and just, yeah. you know, don't go into any conversation with any expectation. You just go out and talk to people, mm-hmm. get to know who they are. Started to kind of learn that. And so I think I had some decent success near the end of the summer, like getting to know people on a personal level and getting to know their experiences and their thoughts about banking and the whole experience. And so I think that that helped me um, a bit, but I like to think that. And, and so in the end, the three of us, the three Stern kids got the return offers. No way. <laughs> and so I like, I like to think that may, maybe like just me loosening up helped with that a bit, but you were probably yeah, not going to get it. You were probably not going to get it until you kind of made that push at the end. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm sure there was a lot of like, we can't take all three from Stern. We should really take this, that other guy. Maybe that was really likable. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the diversity of cars were just not stacked in our favor. We're three Asians too. So yeah. There, you had that against just, you too. It was, it was just like, <laughs> nothing's going to work here. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, yeah. That's surprising. That's surprising that you made the cut, especially with the other two friends that are sharp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so congrats on that. So, okay. So you got, you get the offer. Tell me a little bit about like just the relief and the, and then how you, did you just have a blast senior year and then uh, party the entire time? Yeah, basically, you know, senior, it was, it was a great time senior year. It was, um, very relaxed. You didn't really have to worry about anything. And, you know, I just took a bunch of classes that I, had a lot of interest in and Mm -hmm. you know traveled a lot um so where'd you go yeah um the winter i went to iceland awesome and then spring break everybody um our our grade it's it's a kind of like a stern pseudo tradition we all go to cancun senior year okay yeah (laughs) yeah and so tell me a little bit about um just your how things shifted when you went full-time it sounds like it almost got easier going full-time Oh yeah. It got, I mean, you were with two friends too. You were two friends. Right. So one of, one of my friends actually, um, lateraled to another bank. Okay. Um, and I learned after that she was concerned, same as me, that she wouldn't get the offer. (laughs) And so she had, she had been, um, she had been looking for a lateral opportunity. She had been talking and protecting herself or whatever. Yeah. In case this didn't work out. Why hadn't you been Um, doing that? Well, I, I have, but I, ha- I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting any bites either. So bites. Okay. I was just like, I, I need this. And so it just added on to that stress, but, okay. um, so it was just the two of us. And so when you I say think, you're looking for a lateral position, sorry to interrupt, were you doing like LinkedIn stuff? Like that's the type of stuff you're doing? Like reaching so out? I was, I was reaching out to the, the guys that I knew when I was recruiting junior year. Um, mm-hmm. they're just friends of mine. Um, and so I was just poking around there being like, Hey, like, are there any, do you think there'll be any full-time positions open? Like, and this is um, everywhere. This is BAM all credit suites, but also everywhere else too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just anybody, anybody that I knew. Um, you, Cause I felt like that was any elite boutiques that you looked at or anything like that. Like a Molus Evercore type role. Um, not really. I don't really know anybody. They don't know anybody heavily at Stern. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, cause I always felt like at least at the time that full-time, 
like a full-time lateral from uh, an internship was more, was definitely more relationship driven. Like it was, it was never really about any formal processes. Right. And so I was just focused on, you know, people, the people that I knew. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. That's fair. So sorry. So you're kind of coming into full time. How is that? How is this different now? You start that first month. Is there, there's training, obviously. Yeah. Uh, first what? month there's training. You know, I was going in ready for probably an incrementally more difficult experience. Um, and you know, initially, initially it was that, but I think gradually, I think power utilities um, started to experience some difficulties within UBS. Mm-hmm. I think UBS at the time. Um, was trying to shift their strategy away from, you know, balance sheets and lending and trying to become more of like that elite boutique model where we just mm-hmm. do advisory. Yeah. And so pure advisory. Yep. Right. And so if you know anything about power, that whole entire industry is about lending. It's all it's about sheet. your balance sheet. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if your bank can't put up, put up, um, put up debt capital, like nobody's going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so the group kind of inherently conflicted with the entire bank strategy. And so gradually, you know, um, power started to needed to shift their strategy as well. Um, and so we, and I, so, and so I think a lot of our business opportunities and deal opportunities were lost because of that um, mm-hmm. balance sheet calling. And we started to focus on these other opportunities, other deals, and obviously deal flow kind of waned a little bit. Um, yeah slow down. And so the full-time, my full-time experience was a lot less cumbersome and a lot Did less you you know, hours. Any worked. live deal? Did you close live deals while you were there? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, so I got, I got, I got super lucky because we were in a, we were, the group was in a stage where like live deals were, um, few, to, few deals, and far between. Yeah. Few and far between. Yeah. yeah. Um, we actually closed, um, the, uh, wheelabrator technologies, which was sold from, uh, which was sold to, uh, Macquarie Infrastructure Partners, and it's a waste energy plant. Okay. So it's kind of like a hybrid power industrials deal, which yeah. was actually super cool to cool to work on. Um, site visits were kind of weird because the place was super smelly, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was it was just a great deal to work on, and it was super interesting to learn about something I never heard about before. Cool. And so, as you're kind of coming up into year, you're finishing up year one and going up into year two. Are you, what are you thinking about? Because you know you're there for a couple of years. Are you? Are, are is everyone chattering about like private equity? What's the yeah. feeling of the analysts? And what was the what, the you know was it writing on the wall? Was it obvious that there wasn't as much deal flow? I mean, you're not working the hundred hour weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think near the um, so my two years are kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think a year a year in, um, we were approached by the bank that you know, power and utilities would cease to exist. And so, you know, that, that obviously brought up a whole ton of stress as well. It was like, oh crap, like. You're going to get cut completely. Yeah. Like we're, yeah. we're a year out of college. I'm going to lose my job. Like, oh my God. Um, but then um, UBS was pretty good in that they, they said like, nobody here is going to lose their job. Like we're going to reassign people because there's a lot of bright talent in, in this team, a lot of smart people mm-hmm. and we need you guys. And so they kind of split everybody up, uh, split everybody up. And so we were technically power utilities infrastructure. We had a pretty strong infrastructure practice. Mm -hmm. And so, um, infrastructure, it became infrastructure, which moved to leverage finance. Got it. And then, and then where I went with, I think three other guys, we went to, um, 
Energy, which was um, based in Houston, but New York had kind of like a little satellite operation. Yeah. And so <clears throat> that's what happened to power utilities ultimately. Um, so and your so second year, you were kind of more energy, you're in energy basically. Yeah. And I was transitioning to energy. No, it's, it's similar in some ways to power, but in other ways, it was a completely different industry. And you just had to learn about, you know, oil exploration and mm-hmm. midstream pipelines, all different, that stuff. Different modeling, right? Yeah, completely yeah. different. So tell me, well, what about, so power is more like the, the actual utility, like the power utility companies, like the large companies, whereas energy is more like the actual drilling and the oil and the. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like you can think of power as more downstream. downstream. It's kind of like converting okay. that oil into power. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about just, so you're super stressed again, year in, you end up figuring out, okay, I'm not gonna lose my job. I'm going to this other group, but you're now in a kind of a satellite office where the, the main headquarters, what was it like working? I mean, at least you're in New York. Wait, did you start interviewing right away or had you been talking and networking to people? Right. It doesn't sound like you're networking very aggressively throughout this whole thing. I mean, both in the latter, were you, were you talking to like a couple people a oh. week? Oh yeah. So, so I think. So I had a couple friends who were a year or two older and they gave me a lot of good advice where they said the year you join, so you join in like August, mm-hmm. which was the fall you join, you should start talking to headhunters and start developing that relationship because they send you stuff and um, you think investment banking recruiting is early, private equity recruiting is even earlier. Yeah. And so um, they were telling me, they were telling me in the fall, you got to meet these headhunters. They're your path into, you know, what comes after banking if you, if you choose to leave. Mm-hmm. And so I started meeting all these headhunters that fall. Um, and, you know, you'd get email opportunities in your inbox, like, like every day. Um, and, and just start kind of any opportunities that are interesting to you. So what did um, interest you? So I was, I was initially super interested in private equity. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I was really fascinated by just learning about more nitty gritty operations of a business. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the one benefit, and I wouldn't say the one benefit, I think it ended up working out really well. Mm -hmm. The fact that deal flow wasn't really um, crazy, wasn't really crazy was Mm -hmm. I could have more depth than breadth when it came to learning about companies and learning about the deals I was on. And so I was super immersed in uh, Wheel Liberator when I worked on it. I got mm-hmm. to, I got to really learn about you know how they run their plants, each individual plant. I, I could remember what they looked like, and you knew you know, the numbers what went in. like back of your hand. Yeah, yeah, what went in, what went out, how many people were staffed there, what they were getting paid, what the management structure was like. You get really detailed in that aspect. And so, um, I think if I were at another bank or another group where, you know, you're working on like three live deals at the same time, you wouldn't be able to get that breath and you're just kind of cranking out deals. And Or you'd have to, for your interviews, you'd have to at least focus on a few and really exactly, drill down yeah. and, and study. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had that um, naturally, like you already just knew it. It's kind of, it was similar to me because I was in restructuring and I had, mm-hmm. you know, those stretch out, those engagements stretch out so long, but you know, what happens is because you're working on it for so long, you literally know like 40 different capital structure scenarios. And like, you've run like the model a thousand right. times. So, you know, right. every single number, like the value, like I could rattle off everything. Um, so it helps, it helps in the interviews. Right. So tell yeah. me, so tell me what happened. Like, so you, you, 
you know, you're at UBS, you're in a, did coming from power and then energy, did that hurt you? Um, or, or only, were they only giving you like energy or uh, type funds or what, what was, what was the kind of, I don't know, the, the conversion to more middle market PE, um, you know, you're coming from UBS and in a group that's a little less traditional, you're not doing M&A. Right. Um, so tell me about that. Yeah, I was worried about that because I think initially, initially, I think the bank told us, you know, you can have your pick of the group, uh, pick up the groups. Um, I think most of the groups were always welcome to more analysts. Um, I think one guy went to healthcare, one guy went to consumer. Um, and I was thinking about industrials um, because UBS industrials practice is super strong. They do a lot of deals. Um, but I also thought about, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be spending my time like recruiting and, you know, looking at the ideal next opportunity for me. And well, so if you my, chose if energy, I, you chose energy. Right. Yeah. And my oh, wish okay. was, and my wish was just to have more depth in sort of the deals that I do instead of just cranking that's out a, like deal that's after a deal. really interesting approach. I don't know yeah. if I would looking back, I wouldn't know if I would recommend that because there is a little bit of like a, the reputation. Well, yeah. yeah, there's the pigeonholing with the energy, but there's also reputation. Like industrials is known there because they do a lot of good deals. And I think right. there's probably funds that recognize that a little bit more. Um, right. But but you you make a very good point on the other side of like, but the depth you had of the deals you did is so, so good that when you do get in that interview room, you just completely just like wipe right. the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me so, about that. Yeah. Tell me about that. Right. So my thought, my thought process was, you know, if I, if I, wanted to join big PE and um, if I loved cranking out deals and I'd loved, you know, the deal process and just from open to close mm-hmm. completing transactions, I think I definitely would have gone to industrials because that's the best place to get that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I was super interested in like just nitty gritty stuff. I wanted to be involved in a model like to as detailed of a you degree as possible. Done, you should have done restructuring it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I work with a, I work with a guy who used to come from restructuring too. And, uh, seems like that would have been a great place to be too. Yeah. Um, go ahead. But, sorry. sorry and yeah. And I knew that energy was sort of similar to power utilities, which is like a lot of the modeling is, isn't done by, you know, the MA team or the left in team. It's, it's all done. It's all done in house. Like all the templates from all the, all the, um, product groups, run through run through the coverage group for energy and for um, power utilities. So I knew, okay, great. I would be able to actually do some detailed work, That's good. Uh, understand stuff really to a really detailed degree. And because the opportunities I were looking for were, um, it, were it was P initially because, you know, that, that was the kind of the only place you'd get this kind of operating exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think, being in energy and I, you know, I saw standard industries pop up. I didn't really know what the role was, but, you know, going through that process, I started to learn more and more of that, like, wow, this is, this is kind of exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And so tell me a little bit about how you even evaluate like a family office type role, a hybrid type role where there's maybe less structure and not that middle market funds have that much structure. I mean, oftentimes they're only hiring a few associates a right. year. So tell me a little bit about how you, was this, was this like a one-off where they're hiring just one associated, one analyst, or is it something where there's a program where you felt like there was more structure there? So there's definitely um, less structure as standard industry. So it was kind of like mm-hmm. um, an analyst is hired every two years, yeah. um, which is kind of like when 
when they when they need a guy every two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think initially, it's it's such a nuanced role and kind of difficult to explain that yeah. in the early stages of the interview process, it was I just treated it as like this is just either practice or I just have to like um, go through the process and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, slowly, slowly you go through the process and you start to learn more about the company, you know, what the day to day is like. And I started to realize this is this is a lot more of a investing role mm-hmm. than a, for example, like a hedge fund role or a private equity role or a corporate strategy role. It was kind of just um, an investing role in general, which meaning, which means, meaning you were doing private equity, but you had the opportunity to do private equity type deals, but you were also doing public market stuff. Is that what you mean by right. investing in general? It was like a, it was an umbrella investing role rather than you have to invest in this specific type of. Right. And it was kind of like my first foray into learning about family offices. And basically what it is, is you just have this giant pool of capital. That's just completely flexible. You can do whatever you want with it. And so some of the discussions that you know i heard people having um were just super cool to listen to and evaluate because you know they look at opportunity like okay let's we can buy some shares or we can maybe buy a huge chunk of shares and you know maybe be able to talk to the management of this public company and you know help them help them grow help them make some decisions or we can take them pi- private treat this like a pe style deal and then we own it or we can search in the private markets, or if we don't like the public equity, maybe we can get into the debt. Or if the company's too early stage, we can put in some VC capital. It was just like every single thing <laughs> was on under the, the sun was on the table. And it was just super cool to see. Um, and that kind of aligned with more of what my interests were, which I realized in the end, you know, there's a lot of like private equity is a super cool and exciting role to be in. But yeah. there is a little bit of inflexibility to the extent where like the types of deals and the types of companies. types of deals. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that though. Like, is there, isn't there still some in a family office? They're so like, they always say, right. If you know one family office, you know one. So obviously it depends. How did you get comfort that that was actually true? Because a lot of them may say that. And then you get there and they're like, no, we're only doing these types of deals right now. Like the, the family, whatever, whoever the head honcho is family or the head, right. head of whatever they call it, the uh, PM or whatever they only want to do, you know, debt deals or only, right. mez, only mez deals right now in this specific industry. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did you, how did you get comfort that there really was that open mandate before going? So because it sounds honest, amazing, right? It sounds yeah. interesting. So tell me. How to you be know. honest, you can never really know um, until you actually join, but I, I took a leap of faith in, in that aspect, but I think what were they kind selling of informed, you on that? Were they selling you on it a little bit? Yeah, I think what sort of informed that was basically everybody in the team just telling me, you know, we get to work on a lot of different interesting things. Like sometimes the, um, the CEOs will, you know, send some ad hoc opportunities about something just completely unrelated. Like it could be, I don't know, like it could be a food company, it could be like a company that, you know, makes makes leather bags. And they right. it's like it's like a friend of a friend of theirs that, you know, sends an opportunity across and they just have to take a quick look at it. Um so that kind of started to get me interested. And then, you know, I kind of look at the website, you look at, you know, what the standard industry's vision is, which is, isn't, I always say it's a family office to explain to finance folk what exactly it is, mm-hmm. but 
um, the fact of the matter is um, they're not trying to be a family office. Um, Mm -hmm. We're trying to be more of just an industrial, a modern industrial company. Mm -hmm. So um, anything that's aligned with that vision of bringing industry to the modern age Mm -hmm. focused on, you know, construction uh, is, is in the wheelhouse. And so naturally when you look at modern, you look at a lot of like venture capital and growth equity kind of investments. And so they had a venture capital practice that they were growing. Mm -hmm. And so just seeing that and, you know, seeing that this was kind of professionals are in under, if, if you can share that. Um, with standard, I think, like on I think your kind of similar role to you or senior to you. Yeah. Um, how many in, in the venture? Yeah, total. Fund? You know, in total, in total on oh, total? standard. Yeah. Um, a handful. It's like, like eight or nine. Eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's not tiny. Yeah. And so you guys are basically the eight or nine. Are you are responsible for like evaluating every investment potential that comes through, or or coming up with your own ideas? Um. Yeah. Just mostly just. Uh, evaluating stuff that comes through but also you know when stuff when there are gaps in between in between um deals or projects you know start to be proactive and look for stuff very cool can we go back and talk a little bit about pay i mean i know for banking it's pretty standard i think yeah a couple years ago what were you making like 85 base or something like that or 90 base or yeah 85 and then uh bonus first year was it good or you were just happy to have your job and it wasn't so good Because your group did kind of resolve. I think first year you get a stub. I think I think it was like oh, they give you a stub. So you start in the summer, and then yeah, because it was an annual cycle. So you start the summer, you get a stub. I think it was like twenty five, and then Mm -hmm. and then I think the next year, I think you get a bump to forget it was like eighty nine or something. You get a little bump to eighty nine or ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first year, the, the bonus was actually, I was, I was surprised. It was like pretty decent. Um, I think it was like 70, 75. Wow. Um, amazing. that's amazing. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then the next year you so get all in, you're you doing get, like 160 almost. Yeah. That year. And that's your first yeah. full year, I guess there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you get a bump to, I think 92 mm-hmm. and and what what comp- what really bummed me out was I joined Standard Industries the summer before of the third year, so I kind of lost half a year of bonus. But it is what it is. <laughs> and then was it a was it a big pay jump going to Standard um, in terms of, um, or was it just more of a jump in terms of lifestyle? Although it doesn't sound like you were getting killed at UBS. <laughs> <laughs> whatever I, you're comfortable sharing, you don't have to right. give a lot of details. Like it can be a range or whatever. But it was it around the same around the you know. It's it's pretty standard, like yeah, private equity. What it would be, um, and, and I kind of like a bigger private equity fund, which is you know for oh, that's really good. Yeah, which is which is for um for like any me- analysts like coming. a mega fund or an upper middle middle market fund. They're paying you that, like upper middle, upper middle, upper middle. I'd that's say amazing. Which is yeah, which is like a which that's for any investment banking. Yeah, for any investment banking analyst going to like upper, upper middle market mega fund kind of paycheck is like crazy. Um, that's amazing and it sounds like i'm guessing that you're not working into 80 hour weeks or 90 hour weeks yeah um 70 yeah for sure to i think yeah i think <laughs> so so oddly enough i i end up working more hours than i do when i when i was in energy but the day starts a lot earlier because of the public market component 
Interesting. So, you know, in, you know, in banking, you roll in at like nine 30, maybe 10, if you're feeling yeah, like yeah. it, um, we start the day at like eight. And so, um, I'm doing like eight to six mostly on an, on an average day. And so you compared to what I was doing in energy, it was, it was about, about the same, if not a little bit more. So how much of your, are you basically pretty, are you responsible for the public market um, component of, of the, like just you, or are you and one other person out of the eight or nine investing professionals? Or is it like, are you grouped like that in terms of public market focus versus this? You know, how, how should I think about that? So I, not, not to yeah. get specific about your company. I'm just trying to understand like what a role like this involves. Right. Like, like, are you all of a sudden like for three <laughs> months involved in like just trading? Are you like, you know, doing not day trading, but are you trading out of positions within like a month or a couple of weeks, like doing that type of stuff? Or are you more like, Hey, these, uh, I'm looking at like a three month view, or, you know, two year view. So so our, our team, um, the corporate development strategy team is very vertical. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the only analyst and the most junior guy in my position at this Got moment. It. Okay. And so anything under the sun that needs a little bit more horsepower in terms of analysis, I'll work on. Mm-hmm. And so to give you an example, like there will be days where I'll flip from one public market position we're working on um, one hour and then flip to some PE process we're in the we're in right now for the next few hours, come back to that public markets thing and then and then maybe like read a couple messages on on some and help do some like research work on some venture thing. Yeah. Like it'll it'll be literally everything under the sun. But kind of cool. I think the one unifying concept is that you know we're focused industry-wise on construction materials and like yeah. building products. And so that's if if it wasn't that, it'd be kind of like too crazy to keep track yeah. of, but yeah. <laughs> and so tell me a little bit about just how this, during COVID has, it's a pretty small team. So I assume you guys are just doing video chats all day or most throughout the day, kind of connecting with with one another or is there like Slack channel you're using or how do, how do you uh, stay in touch with the team? Yeah, we're on a, we're on a Google suite. So it's just a lot of uh, Google meets. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Well, um, any other kind of words of wisdom? I mean, it sounds like you're in, a, in an awesome seat kind of, are you thinking business school down the road or what's the, what's the thought process eventually, or even just stay on because um, it's, it's fun to move on up. Yeah. I think for the time being, stay on, move on up. Mm-hmm. Um, business goal is, is always in the back of the mind, but um, I'm actually kind of interested to see where the whole education space is going like post COVID. Cause I think that's a, that's an interesting transition to look at. Yeah. Um, and and you're all what? coming online to Wall Street Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting their financial modeling training, everything. A little pitch there at the end there for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It, I, it'd be super interesting to see. I mean, like all, yeah. all these online education services are gonna um might see a lot more like yeah, a lot more business and growth. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing it this year. I mean, it's been a um been a big year for us, um, the record year for us in terms of traffic and in terms of uh um sales to the courses, new students. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see how things kind of transition once vaccine. I mean, I think for a few months, people are just gonna be like partying and traveling and right. <laughs> taking yeah. long deserved vacations. Um, and then what it'll kind of where things will settle will be interesting. I agree. With yeah. That. Um, any other words of wisdom to share with the listeners before we call it from your path or from just in general, from, from your friends that you've seen? Yeah, I think. I think, I guess, and it's always easier to say, um, looking backwards, but I think 
for anybody, you know, super getting super stressed out about, you know, banking recruiting, getting super stressed out about, for example, PE, buy side recruiting. I think in the end, if you have the motivation, if you have the work ethic, and if you have, you know, the mentors to help guide you along the way, it, it all ends up working out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not initially you think it did, whether or not initially you think you made a poor decision or whatever, I think we're, the humans are incredibly adaptable and we learn to adapt to what we're given. And in the end, it all works out and we all end up to some degree enjoying what we're doing. It's a great, great words of wisdom because I think a lot of people, they look in the moment they're and they, they think so short-sighted, like when they get that rejection or they, or in a, in a seat that's really tough. They think this is, why am I doing this? And they have a lot of the existential crises you see. With mm-hmm. it. And I get it. I was there um, breaking down and like, <laughs> you know, when am I going to get out of this? And like, how, how am I going to get out? And um, a lot of it's, it's hard to pick your head up and kind of see further out. When I got fired from my first uh, private equity gig, I got fired within like three or four months. And I was like, oh, wow. out of the job for like three or four months you know, you'd think that like you're, oh my gosh, my career is just completely derailed. And it almost was, I mean, it was, it was a pretty bad situation, <laughs> um, but I ended up landing on my feet at another PE shop in, in New York. And then um, that started WSO probably because of that whole experience. So now look, right. you know, so it's like yeah. um, in that sense, I think it's important to just try to keep the long-term view and not, not feel like all is lost. Uh, and I think there's, there needs to be more hope and people need right. to be patient with themselves because really it's just, it's all about grit and work ethic. You can really get to almost an, or an incredible, I won't say anywhere, but an incredible level because cheesy and not true. You can get yeah. to an incredible level of success measured by any kind of normal standard in this country, just through hard work um, and, exactly. and determination. I really believe that. Um, especially if you work on not just the technical skills, especially if you work on getting more <laughs> likable, especially if you work on <laughs> the stuff that you may downplay and think is stupid. Um, hopefully with maturity and age, you realize that relationships do matter a lot. So thank you yeah. for all that, all that wisdom is great. Thanks for having me, Pat. And thanks to you, my listeners at wall street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.